we go back to um, Galatians 6, we'll begin the reading in verse 11 in a moment, but let me um, just preface real quickly. Um, I have three more Wednesday nights, excuse me, two more, three more including tonight, two more Wednesday nights um, before I go on my much-deserved, well-deserved um, <laughs> summer vacation. Uh, um, so I'm going to try to move through verse 15 tonight, um, and, and the reason being is that I have, that will mean that I have two lessons left to cover verses 16 through 18, 16, 17, and 18. Um, so if you would like to go ahead and, and skip tonight, <laughs> go, go, go ahead, um, but uh, don't skip the last two. And the reason I say that is there's, there's a subject that we need to discuss um, contained or referred to in verses 16, 7, and 18 that I want to spend two weeks on, and I, I think it's uh, pretty uh, um, vital stuff. And uh, not to say that this text tonight is pretty meaty and, and, and vital as well, but there's just a, there's a, there's a, an error that I hope that we can avoid, and, and I'll discuss that over two weeks, beginning next week, and I, and I hope you'll be with us for those two weeks. Now, let me read you verses 11 through 15, which is what we'll try to cover tonight. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Guys, real quickly, verse 11, um, um, the, what you probably have in verse 11, um, the rest of the book of, the, of Galatians has probably been written by what's called an amanuensis. He's a secretary. It was dictated by Paul up to this point. But this, these last few verses are kind of his closing signature um, so that it would assure that this was an authenticated letter, one that could not be forged. Uh, the large letter thing, when he says, see what, with what large letters I write, that has prompted many to suggest that the thorn in Paul's flesh, you remember he talks about the thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians? I pleaded with God for three, three times to take out the thorn has prompted many to suggest that the problem that he had was with his eyes. And so he, he kind of writes with, you know, um, large letters. Um, uh, and that's, what, that's all you have. It's an introduction to a, uh, a closing uh, paragraph that would authenticate the letter, and the large letter thing is just because he's having trouble with his eyes. All right? That brings us to verse 12. And from verse 12 to the rest, to the end of the book, guys, this is some pretty meaty stuff and, uh, and fun stuff. It's fun to teach it, at least. Um, verse 12, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. In verse 12, Paul now returns to the main theme of his letter. Um, the main theme of the book of Galatians, as you know, has been 
his contrast between the true gospel and the false gospel. And so he's returning to that. He's beginning to draw more distinctions between a true gospel and a false gospel. I would like to summarize that difference in just four words, and I think it would be, I think it would be helpful. The, the true gospel is one that is inward and supernatural um, uh, versus the false one, which is, of course, the very opposite, is outward and human. Um, that's the essence of the debate, ladies and gentlemen. That's the essence of the, uh, of the, uh, the contrast that he's making. You've got a true gospel that's inward and supernatural versus a false gospel, which is outward and ex- I mean, is external and um, human. And you'll see it in, 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 as, he discusses, as he goes through these verses. The true gospel is about an inward change, not outward. Look what he says in verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. Boy, is that not condemnatory. Um, that is the only thing I'm really wor- worried about is how my religion appears to you. I want to make a good showing. Gang, that's one of the reasons, or maybe the primary reason, that legalism is so destructive. Because it is only concerned with appearances, the good showing. So it's all about self. It's all about what you think of me and how I appear to you. So it's external and human versus something that is inward and supernatural. The true gospel is something inward and supernatural, but this other false thing that the Judaizers were promoting was all outward. It was was about a a good showing. Um, Keep reading. It is those who want to make a good showing who would force you to be circumcised only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Their their motive behind that religious stuff is human approval. Whereas in contrast to that, the gospel offends. I don't want to suffer for the message that I'm teaching in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Oh, I don't want to I don't want to preach that message <laughs> because that'll get me persecuted. So I, I got another one for you that you'll really, really like. Um, the real one opens you up to persecution, ladies and gentlemen. But, but not, that, not that other thing. Not morality or religion, guys. The world thinks that morality is a good thing for society. But what they don't like is the message of Christianity. And here's why, ladies and gentlemen. Um... People find the gospel message insulting. It's, um, it's negative. Um, whereas, you know, you can be a moralist and just worry about the externals. <clears throat> Gang, um, they want to avoid... His language is so wonderful. They, wanna, uh, they don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. You don't want to preach that thing. Because think about it, ladies and gentlemen, what does the cross suggest? Well, first of all, it suggests that man is a sinner. 
And somebody had to pay a price for his sin. You don't want to say that to people. <coughs> you don't want to tell them that they've, they're, they're sinners. No, 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 no. Let's celebrate the goodness of, um, of the human enterprise. <coughs> Let's talk about how at his core man is good. That message, ladies and gentlemen, will not get you persecuted. In fact, the culture celebrates that message. But the cross, oh, no, that means that, that first of all, uh, you're a sinner. And second of all, because of your sin, you're under God's curse. Huh. Don't, don't preach that one. No, 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 that's, that's going to offend people. And you don't want to do that. And then, of course, the third thing that it means is that you can't earn it yourself. So, don't preach the cross of Christ because for that you will be persecuted. Don't preach anything about sin and, and, and being accountable before God and being under the curse of God and not being able to earn your, your own way into heaven. Don't preach that. Again, it's the contrast that Paul is making between a true and a false gospel, folks. Um, the cross, preaching the cross humbles men and he doesn't want to be humbled. The preaching of the cross inflicts wounds on the pride of man and you, they don't want that. So if you want to avoid persecution, avoid that message. And that's exactly what Paul says they're doing. They preach an altogether different message. They preach something that's external and, and human because society thinks that that's very good, you know, to have. It's Christianity they don't like. Not morality, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it, some of you are too young to remember Dr. Laura. But Dr. Laura was, was quite well received for years. And she was, she had... A lot of moral issues, right? But she never preached the gospel. She never preached anything about a cross that communicates I'm a sinner, that I can't save myself, and that I'm under the curse of God. And so somebody had to go pay that curse for, uh, pay on that, my debt for me. No, don't preach that. Because that offends. It's insulting, it's negative. So if you want to avoid persecution, avoid that message. Um, that thing, that message, <clears throat> that just makes people angry. It angers the world to be told <clears throat> that the only way to pay for sin is through a cross. So don't preach it. Avoid it. Now, verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Oh, let me read on. Um, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast. They want to boast. They want to talk about notches in their belt and how many converts to their, um, their religion they have. But did you notice they're phonies? Um, even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. They're out promoting this 
law obedience, but they don't keep it themselves. You remember one of the uh, <clears throat> one of the most damning statements to be found anywhere in the New Testament comes out of the mouth of Jesus, and it's, and it's this. It's, in, it's found a couple of places, but it's in Mark 7. You flatter me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You flatter me with your lips. Because see, ladies and gentlemen, you can do that all day long. But that won't do anything about this. But they want to boast. They want to be able to crow about how many followers they've made. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, in my experience, and I think probably yours too, nothing makes people matter. Nothing makes people more contemptuous of Christianity than people who talk, whose lips blab and have no effort at a matching life. Um, you cannot boast in yourself and Christ at the same time. One of them has to go. Um, those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. See how successful I've been in this pursuit of converts. Verse 14. I was told by someone, and I think it was Julia Wickens. I think it was Julia Wickens. I think that this was the one text in the Bible that Billy Graham said he wished he'd have preached and didn't. Uh, I, I found that extremely interesting that uh, Billy never got around to verse 14. And I don't, I'm sure there's all kinds of factors. But look at it because it is rich. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The only proper boast has to do with the cross of Christ. Gang, the heart of religion can be found in what you boast in. Do I boast in myself? Because if I boast in the cross... That's going to mean that uh, admission of sin thing, and I can't save myself, and I'm under the curse of God, and somebody had to pay my debt for me. You cannot boast in that and self at the same time. The, the clear line of demarcation is to be found in what you boast in. What are you proud of? What is it on which you fix your hope Self or Christ's cross? Guys, there's also a, but far be it from me to boast except. You see that except? Um, that is one of the things that caused Luther to teach sola Christus and sola fides. Because sola fides is sola Christus. 
Now, you know what that means. Uh, it's that accept. That is, um, I don't boast in anything except. There's only one thing that you must have, and that is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's sola Christus, Christ alone. And, and guys, when you say sola fides, when you say faith alone, what you're saying is Christ alone. Those two things go together, sola fide, sola Christus. And it, one of the things that prompted Luther to, to, to promote such a thing was that little word, except, right there in, in verse 14. I don't boast in anything except. There's only one thing needed, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that little except gave rise to some huge theological positions. Now, having pointed that to you, or that out to you, this last clause of verse 14 is absolutely stirring. Look at it with me. Um, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What he is saying is that there is nothing in the whole wide world that has power over me. Why? Because there is nothing in this world that I must have or I need to have. I'm crucified to it. And it no longer has any power over me because I don't need it. I don't worship it. Um, I don't fear it. Isn't that where you want to be? Isn't that where we all want to be? In the place that we could say, there's nothing that the world offers that I need. There's nothing in the world that I must have except Christ alone. I live in the world, but I no longer fear it. I no longer need it. I no longer worship it. Do you see what freedom that is, ladies and gentlemen? Isn't it where we all want to be, but none of us are? Wouldn't you like to be able to say that? I'm crucified to the world, and it to me. Guys, I say that we'd all like to be there, and I think I'm right about that. And then I went on to say that none of us are, and and, uh, I can't speak for anyone but myself. uh, So if I've offended you, let me just tell you why I said that. Why, Why I am pretty confident that uh, none of us are there 
Um, for example, when I am angry or anxious, what that signifies is that something in the world is saying to me, I can break you. Um, you are nothing if you don't have me. Let's say it's marriage. I'm so angry that I'm not married, or I'm so anxious that I'm not married. And it's marriage that's... There's a dozen things that I could have mentioned. I just... But that's the thing that says to me, that's, what, that's the thing in the world that says to me, I can break you because you don't have me and you're nothing if you don't have me. Because I don't, I'm angry. Or if I want to be, I'm anxious until I get it. <clears throat> because that's the thing that's going to make me. So my anger and, and anxiety is just a, a window to my soul that the world, there's something in the world that I still do need. And I'm not crucified to it. How about this? Um, when I'm proud, or maybe even cynical, there's something in the world that is saying to me, <clears throat> Um, I made you and you're great because of me. Maybe it's my looks. I never had to worry about that one. But maybe it's talent. Or maybe it's your profession that spawns pride and just says there's something in the world that is the explanation for why you're great. So my pride is just another window to my soul that is something in the world that I got to have to make me have value. Or how about this? I'm uh, bored or indifferent. There's something in the world <clears throat> that has said to me, I can satisfy you and you have got to find a way to get more of me. Maybe it's success. And right now, I'm, um, <clears throat> I'm kind of bored with life. But there's this thing in the world called success or prosperity that says to me, I, I, can, I can take care of that. I, I can ultimately satisfy you. But you're going to have to find a way to get more of me. More success, more prosperity. <clears throat> and then... 
then you won't be bored anymore. Or how about this? I'm depressed or despondent or discouraged. And when I am, at least one possible explanation is that something in the world is saying to me, because I made you and now I'm gone, there's nothing. There's nothing else that can help you. I made you who you are. Let's say it's parenting. And now the kids are gone. And now I'm despondent. I'm depressed. Because the thing that made me, the thing that the world offered that made me, it's now gone and there's nothing else that can help me. Tell me, my brother and sister in Christ, wouldn't you love to say by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world? Wouldn't you love to say that? Wouldn't you love to be able to say that? But we can't. And I've given you four suggestions as to why I believe that, why, 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 why I believe we're not there, or at least I'm not. Um, it really kind of gets bound up in that word, except. Um, but far be it for me to boast, except. But see, we, 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 we would rewrite that. Far be it for me to boast in anything in addition to the other 17 things that I'm boasting in and Christ. Because those other 17 things I need from the world. I needed to satisfy my longings. I needed to give me value, identity. I needed to tell me that I'm of more value than you are so that I can be proud. And if I don't get it, then I'm going to be angry. And I'm going to be anxious until I do get it. All of those, ladies and gentlemen, are just indicators that we are not crucified to this world. It's not crucified to us, and we're not crucified to it. There's no except, as you find in the Apostle Paul. I don't need to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus. What a statement, ladies and gentlemen. What a, what a rich, <clears throat> profound, pregnant Statement. I'm sorry, Billy didn't bridge it either. Sorry, I haven't. He goes on. Verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Guys, um, I, I don't know whether you've ever heard me say this. I hope you have. I, I've said it enough, but... You know, there, there are two sacraments in the, in the Protestant world, two sacraments, the Lord's Supper and, and the baptism, okay? Uh, both of those are taken or drawn from rich Old Testament events. That is, the Lord's Supper is drawn from an Old Testament event called Passover. 
Y'all know that, don't you? Was that a Passover meal that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper? You know, uh, he got through with the meal and he pushed all that stuff aside and said, now. Uh, and then he takes that occasion of the Passover to, 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 to rewrite it and give us a sacrament called the Lord's Supper. Uh, people seem to know that. What they don't seem to know is that baptism has the same Old Testament root to it. There's an Old Testament event in the Old Testament. There's a, an event in the Old Testament out of which baptism is drawn. You know that, don't you? That Old Testament event is circumcision. What was circumcision? Everybody knows what circumcision is, I hope. Don't make me uh, explain it. Circumcision is is um, is a symbol of rolling away of defilement, of cleansing. Well, what the heck is baptism? It's a, it's a rite that points out to the, points to the, the washing and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's a cleansing rite. It's a symbol about cleansing tied to circumcision out of the Old Testament. All right, if I'm right about that, which pretty much everybody in the Christian world thinks I am, if I'm right about that, then go back and read verse 15 one more time. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. Why is it that we have not yet gotten over this thing about the insistence upon baptism? When Paul is saying very clearly that neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything, So, should you be baptized? Sure you should. But is there anything salvific associated with it? Not on your life. Because if there were, you've got something very outward and very human to which you can point. And notice what he says. It's neither circumcision or uncircumcision that matters. But why? A new creation. Well, how'd that happen? Well, first of all, it took place on the inside. And it was something that occurred by the sovereign intervention of a God who exchanged your heart of flesh and get, heart of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. That's the only thing that matters. None of this stuff. Now, are they important sacraments? Yes, they are. In which are embedded great symbolic values? Sure, sure. And if you haven't been baptized, shame on you. You need to be baptized. But is it going to contribute to your overall standing with God? Not on your life. Or you can just go back and join the club that Paul is trying to overturn in the entire book of Galatians. And yet we still have it. We still have people saying, you've got to be baptized by immersion by us. Gang, that's the essence of the contrast. That's outward and human. Do you, do you honestly think that something that I do 
to one of you out there with water would be salvific? That I did? Apparently they do. Because you've got to be, or you're not saved. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the very thing that he's trying to overturn. And he says it so clearly in one little sentence. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. The only thing that matters is a new creation. So there you have it. The, new, the true and the false contrasted. One's outward and human. The other's inward and supernatural. Which, which, which one you got? Our Father, I, I do pray that you will make that very clear to every listener here tonight, that they might discover um, that this outward uh, human foolishness is just that. It's designed to promote appearances. It's de designed to be a good show, and it will ruin them eternally if that's all that they possess. Lord, um, thank you for the new creation that you granted us. But Father, as men and women who have, who have experienced that new birth, authored by the Holy Ghost, would you bring us to the place where we could say along with Paul, there's nothing in the world that I need, that I fear, that I worship. Because the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Do that in us, Father, and do it for Jesus' sake. We pray in his name.